Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we get an update from Toulon's Aaron Cockerell, who's over in South Africa, just had his best ever performance on the European Tour. We'll also check in with Cam Moon of the Red Deer Rebels doing play-by-play work for the National Junior Selection Camp scrimmages. An update on how things are going in that little bubble on the podcast. I was following the leaderboard of the European Tour event this weekend because last week we saw that Aaron Cockerell of Toulon, Manitoba had a great start to the tournament. And in the end, it was his best tournament on the European Tour to date, finishing in a tie for fourth at the Joburg Open in Johannesburg, South Africa. The 28-year-old finished 13 under, six back of the winner, but still that's a payday of 40,454 euros nearly 63,000 Canadian dollars. I caught up with Cockerell this morning to chat about his latest accomplishment. First of all, Aaron, where exactly are you right now? Um, so we're at the next tournament. It's, it's uh, like Mala Lane, South Africa. It's like four hours uh, east of Johannesburg. So what have the last 24 hours looked like for you after the tournament ended? Um, after the tournament ended yesterday, we just kind of hung out at the hotel that we were at and just had dinner last night. And then this morning we drove over to the new tournament site and, uh, checked in and did our COVID tests and stuff. And then we actually just went for like a safari game drive. So yeah, that was fun. Just a relaxed day. So it's one of the times you can actually get out and explore a bit. Cause I know you haven't been able to do that a whole lot with all the restrictions in place. Yeah, um, I played this tournament last year and they had like safari tour, like legit, like the big Jeeps and everything set up for us to drive us around. But they uh, they couldn't do that this year, but we were allowed to drive our own cars in the park. Um, so, yeah, just Chelsea and I just went for a drive around and she had never been. So, yeah, I was pumped for her to get to see everything. It, it was cool. We saw we saw quite a bit today. So it was, it was a good start. Yeah, for you, you've experienced this before, but how cool is it to experience it with your fiance? Yeah, it's it's awesome. I, I was I was pumped that uh, she was able to come out for these tournaments, especially I had been to Africa before and she hadn't. And uh, yeah, you know, just like going in there and seeing the elephants and giraffes and, you know, getting see her reaction and stuff. It's it's fun. All right. So let's go back to this past weekend. Going into it, uh, what were your expectations at the Joburg Open? Um, it was funny. At the, so the week prior we played two tournaments in Cyprus and then we had an off week and on the off week, Chelsea and I stayed in Cyprus and I was meant to go back up to the course that we had played the tournament at and practice a couple times before we headed down to Joburg and Cyprus had like a, a lockdown in like certain regions. So we couldn't go back to the golf course to practice. So I basically didn't touch my golf clubs for like eight days um and then i showed up at the tournament and i was a little bit nervous but uh yeah just a couple days to kind of practice on monday to wednesday and get things back in sorts and um i guess when you probably don't have expectations that's a good thing so (laughs) well you're able to to jump out of the gate right near the top of the leaderboard did you surprise yourself there um i mean uh, yes and no like with the slight lack of practice, I guess I didn't know how sharp I would be in those first few holes. Um, but I had a few up and downs on the first round from kind of terrible spots to save par and then played really good the rest of the day. Um, 
but even even on like the Tuesday, Wednesday, my swing and everything was feeling pretty good. So I guess not really a huge surprise. So you opened sixty four, sixty eight, and you're right in the thick of things. When you're you're performing that well, do you start thinking about what you have to do to win the tournament, or you you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself? Yeah, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. I mean, I, I have done that in the past, and things haven't really worked out very well. So um, all you can do is just focus on the next round, the next hole, the next shot. Um, so yeah, I mean, just just try not to get ahead of yourself and and just play the next shot. That's all you can do. So. And then 71-68 to finish, 13 under par, tied for fourth. That's your best finish on the European Tour, right? Yes, yep. And how did that feel to to finish that well? Yeah, it was awesome. It's, uh, I guess, if anything, it's just a confidence boost to know that, you know, if I play well and put four rounds together that I, that I can have a chance to win out here. So um, that's that's the ultimate goal is to get a win out here, and I'm getting closer and closer, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's just a big confidence boost and just uh, confirmation that, you know, what I've been working on and working pretty hard at the last two months or so has, uh, you know, things are starting to come together. So you feel like you're, you're building more and more, you're getting closer and closer every week to what you think is the best you can play. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've had some, you know, higher results, uh, this last little stretch, couple, you know, top 15s, top five there. Um, and just, you know, it's it, it's really tough to win. I mean, things have to go your way and, you know, other guys can't really be too hot. And there's just a lot of, you know, variables like course setup and everything. So, um, you know, just kind of keep putting yourself in position, I guess. And, you know, the, the more times you're there, the more chance you're giving yourself and hopefully it comes. And what is a, a you know, a top four finish is great personally for you know how you feel but financially that's huge too isn't it yeah it was uh nice to see how much money you make when you look at the leaderboard at the end uh um but i feel like uh i'm I'm getting to the point now where i don't really think about that as much which is probably a good thing before if i saw my name in that position and you know the purse we're playing and what it was going to be for i probably would have been thinking a little too much and maybe wouldn't have played a solid down the stretch and um but yeah, it's 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 definitely a nice week, and just hopefully it's uh, the start of of lots of those kind of weeks. So I know talking to you in the past, you kind of had uh, exemptions on the tour, right? You're kind of you, you didn't have a full time tour card. What do you have to do to to get that? Um, I mean, I guess I do have a, a full. It's just the the category that I play under is the Q school category, so. It just doesn't get you into necessarily all of the big, big tournaments. Um, you kind of have to finish within Category 10, which is guys who finished within the top 110 positions on the Race to Dubai the year prior. Um, so I would basically have to do that in the 2021 season, or if you win a tournament, you get in the winner's category. So, um, yeah, I mean, if they were in a normal year, if you're going to play like 30 tournaments, there's probably seven of the Rolex series events, which are the, the big tournaments. Um, and you may not necessarily get into all those from a Q school category, but if you're playing under category 10 or a winner's category, you'd be getting into those. And the race to Dubai for those who don't follow the European tour, that's kind of like just the, the equivalent to the FedEx cup, right? Yeah, exactly. Just the, the year long standings. And because it's a, a pandemic altered year, is that, race still going as it normally would 
Um, yes, uh, they're, they're taking the top uh, 60 guys to play the final tournament in Dubai. Um, I don't know if there is a, a bonus money payout or anything like that this year, um, but the, the final purse is pretty big itself. Um, and yeah, they're the, I guess the goal is to still kind of like crown a champion like they normally would. Um, just that everyone's exemption categories is basically going to be carried over to next year. So it's going to be the same kind of crew of guys playing tournaments uh, next year as was this year. And are you in the thick of things for the race to Dubai? Can you get there? I would probably need like a top two one of these next two weeks. It's, uh, it, it's, it's tough the way they have it set up. Uh, most of the like regular season European tour uh, events, the, it, it's based off points, how you qualify. And most of our events are 2,000 points. Um, and you get tournaments like the WGCs and, and the majors where those are like 11, 12,000 points. So um, it, it's a little bit of a skewed system, I think. Like, you know, Patrick Reed and Colin Morikawa are leading the race to Dubai and they haven't played really any events over here this year. Um, it's something I think they could probably look at in the future, to be honest. They could probably tighten that gap of what the points are worth. Um, but at the same time, if I just go out and win a tournament, I'll play myself in. So I guess quit complaining and play better. Right. So you got <laughs> two more two more tournaments left then? Uh, yes, two more in South Africa um, next two weeks. And got to play pretty good in, in those to play my way in. Otherwise, we'll be coming home for, for the Christmas break. I know you've got your your fiance with you. You're the only Canadian out there playing, right? Yes. Yep. How, what's that like? Uh, it's. I guess it's kind of cool. I mean, in, in a way, you kind of carry the flag and rep, represent Canada, so you get a lot of Canada shoutouts and social media and stuff like that. Um, and I, I, yeah, there's there's plenty of guys who are there's not too many of them from their countries that you can kind of because most of the guys hang out based on whatever country they're from. So we've got, we've met a few of the um, there's a Zimbabwe guy, a guy from the U.S. who's one of the few U.S. guys over here. So, um, but yeah, in terms of being the only Canadian, it's it's fun. Um, there hasn't really been too many Canadians who have come over here to play, and um, yeah, I think it's been a fun route, and it's 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 been a lot of fun for us. Did you get a lot of uh, notes from back home after you finished your tied for fourth yesterday? Yeah, my my phone was blown up. It was it was fun to see. Um, yeah, I guess it, a lot of people reaching out and just you know saying they've been following along and just happy for me and proud of me. So um, try and give them more reasons to <laughs> send those texts in the future. I guess. Well, Aaron, I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this and uh, good luck your last couple tournaments here. Awesome. Thank you very much. Now we'll stick with junior hockey. Now the World Juniors get underway in a month and two days in Edmonton. But the decision-making process to figure out who will represent Team Canada, well, we're just getting started. One week ago, it was the opening of the selection camp in Red Deer, and it's going on for many more days and weeks ahead. So we're going to head to Red Deer now and talk to longtime Red Deer Rebels play-by-play voice Cam Moon. Cam, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining the show. Hey, doing very well. Thanks for having me on. What's life like in Red Deer right now? Well, it's the same as everywhere else, except there's an incredible amount of talent coming to our rink every day. Not that anybody 
can come in and see it, but it's uh, some uh, real high-end hockey games and, and practices that have been held. There's not a real buzz around town about it much, although, because nobody can can come watch, and, and they've got um, exhibition games coming up here uh, next for the next three weekends, in theory, uh, where they're going to play the University of Alberta, and I think they're going to play Mount Royal University out of Calgary as well. I think UFC has dropped out of that because uh, the plan was to play against all three, but I, I think the Bears are in next weekend, so there's, you know, normally, if it, things were normal, I don't doubt that we could fill the Westerner Park Centrium for those games. Everybody would love to see, you know, Team Canada get themselves ready for this tournament. But unfortunately, that's not the case. But I've been fortunate enough myself in that I've been able to watch, and it's been great hockey. So Red Deer was supposed to be one of the co-hosts with Edmonton for this tournament, right? They were going to have games in the alternate timeline where there isn't a pandemic. Yes. Uh, what would happen in, in that alternate timeline uh, is that the non-Canada pool would have been held in Red Deer and the Canada pool would be in Edmonton and there would have been a pre-tournament game of Team Canada in Red Deer. Now, the idea is that, you know, this year they'll do the bubble in Edmonton, you know, NHL style, and then next year it'll be split between Red Deer and Edmonton, so there'll be a non-Canada pool in Red Deer. Uh, when the tickets went on sale for this, you know, before the whole COVID thing, the the Red Deer pool sold out in incredibly short time, and and I I don't doubt that when we get back to something that you know resembles normal, that we can fill the rink for it. Now you mentioned you've been able to watch some of the hockey. That's because you are calling these uh, inter squad scrimmages, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just happened to be in the rink, so it just worked out. So what has that been like for you? Uh, it's been good. It's, um, you know, they're, they're still trying to pick a team. I mean, they're trying to make a team. And that's, you know, so it's not quite like what you would see in, in, in a normal game, but the talent level is incredibly high. So, I mean, that's impressive. It's, I don't know that, you know, there's a big gap from the top the bottom and there's it's just one of those years because there's there's no nhl going on right now they've got players at this camp that that would be in the national hockey league that wouldn't be available to them and you see it every year where team canada has you know, three or four players that are playing in the nhl last year they didn't have kirby doc because he was playing with the chicago blackhawks well this year he's actually here and and i would think there'd be a few others uh, bowen byram that plays the vancouver giants in the western league colorado avalanche first rounder i would think he might be in the nhl this year same with dylan cousins who's a buffalo saber first rounder that plays with the hurricanes or connor mcmichael that uh, is a washington capital first rounder uh, and he plays in the ohl like i i would think that uh, with the london knights i would think that you know those guys would all probably be in the nhl right now so it's nice that we have and, and maybe even uh quentin byfield with the los angeles kings he plays with the sudbury wolves uh, so it's great that they're all here uh, the only one they're missing is uh, alexis lafreniere who uh, is uh, the first overall pick of the new york rangers the rangers haven't freed him up doesn't mean that they won't they still might i know hockey canada is hoping that they do uh, he broke out on the 
world stage last year at the World Junior Championships. They have six guys returning anyway. He'd make it seven, but uh, they hope to get him back too. Winnipeg connections on the team. You've got uh, Cole Perfetti, 10th overall pick of the Winnipeg Jets. There's Peyton Krebs, captain of the Winnipeg Ice. There's Seth Jarvis, who is from Winnipeg, played for the Portland Winterhawks, 13th overall pick of the Carolina Hurricanes this year. What are you? What have you seen from them? Are all three of them going to make the team? You think? Oh boy, that's that's tough. I don't I don't know that that's the case. I, I can tell you that uh, Perfetti has has shown a lot of skill. I think his opportunity is is really good uh, because of the skill level that he's shown and and goes hard to the net and has done all those things. Uh, Peyton Krebs, who plays with the Winnipeg Ice, his pace is really high. So I think that gives him a really good chance because at the World Juniors, you have to have a high pace. Uh, and and Seth Jarvis, the, the Portland Winterhawk, has put up huge points in the WHL. I think he's in the mix, but I, I think there's still work to be done to solidify a spot. And I think those games against the University of Alberta and Mount Royal University, is, that's going to be where it kind of where it you know tells whether he's staying or not, uh, but I think he's he's given himself an opportunity, but I I wouldn't pencil him in as, as like a top six guy right now. That doesn't mean he can't be. I'm just saying right now. But I think Perfetti has has really put a good foot forward, and I really do appreciate the uh, the pace of play uh, of a guy like uh, like Peyton Krebs. And we got to remember looking at these best on best tournaments that, oh, they have like 10 centers on the team. Well, they're, yeah. they're going to have to move people to the wings because there's just so much skill. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and if you're uh, and same thing with, you know, defensemen, maybe you quarterback the power play with your club team. And on this team, Canada, you might be a five, six, seven guy. Uh, everybody has to accept their roles and, and team Canada, and Hockey Canada have done a really good job of doing that over the years where they take guys that may have a real big role with their club team and have to put them in a position that might be a bit different to them. And everybody's very accepting of that. And that's part of being a team guy and, and all part of, of a part of being in this. Like, that's just the way it rolls. So you know that going in. You absolutely do. Um, and And how you perform in camp. This is a bigger camp than normal. It's a longer camp than normal uh, because the OHL and the WHL aren't going. The Quebec Major Junior League has been playing. So those guys had a little bit of an advantage at the start of the camp in that they've had meaningful games under their belts. Uh, But because of that, there's a longer runway for players to show what they can do. So I know there's a game tomorrow. The last red and white game is tomorrow morning. Uh, 11 o'clock central time and I believe they're going to make some cuts after the game tomorrow to get down in numbers if 44 players and I think they want to get that down and I would think somewhat significantly I, I wouldn't be surprised if any if it's anywhere from 9 to 12 players moving out after this and, and they haven't even had the NCAA guys skating with the big group yet they've still under their quarantine so they've been skating on their own and a big part of this too, Cam Moon, who is the voice of the Red Deer Rebels, we've got a situation where, you know, 
there's going to be cuts being made because they still have to get into shape. A lot of these players, most if not all of them, haven't played a competitive hockey game since March. And so, yeah, you want to figure out the team. And then you've still got to really figure out how to play as a team because it's not like you're going from 50 games in the WHL right into the World Juniors. There's a lot of rust to be shaken off here. Yeah, 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 definitely. The OHL and the WHL guys, they are starting right from scratch. Uh, the Quebec Major Junior League's been going since September, so, you know, those guys have been playing. With the some NCAA speed bumps, though. Players, yeah, oh, for sure. And the, the NCAA guys, they've got a couple of games under their belts, but not a lot, so you're right. That's why you want this, this camp to be long. Like, these guys are going to be in Red Deer for a month before they go to Edmonton, so it's that's a lot longer than normal. And then these games against the university teams are going to be huge for them because they're, they're going to need games against good competition. And the University of Alberta, year in, year out, is one of the top teams in Canada West. So I know they'll get a good push there. And, and Mount Royal has been good the last few years too. So those games are going to be important. Uh, I know we do have an announcement coming in Alberta tomorrow from the provincial government in regards to uh, hopefully not too many new restrictions, but there might be more new restrictions. So we'll see how that plays out tomorrow too. That'll be, I would think, after the game tomorrow morning, but we'll see. So I, as far as it goes that way, I think it's all day-to-day. Yeah, day-to-day is going to be the next who knows how many months yeah. when it comes to the pandemic but just looking at Canada's spot in this you mentioned yeah we've got so many players we wouldn't normally have but there's going to be players on every other team that can say the same thing is this going to be the most talented world junior tournament we've seen since maybe the the lockout of 2005 I would think so yeah absolutely I would say this will be right on par with the 2005 World Juniors. And uh, you're right, there's other countries that would have guys that would normally be in the National Hockey League that will be available. It seems like Canada just usually has more of those players, um, but it is going to take the whole level of the thing right up. And it's very unfortunate. We can't have fans in the building for this, but uh, people will be treated to it at home on their televisions, and it's always such a big tradition that the World Juniors that come the holidays, the hockey fans love to get around the TV and watch World Junior Championships. Well, this year, we'll see some of the best stuff that uh, we've probably seen since the 2005 when it was in Grand Forks. And Canada, the only time they really got pressed in that whole tournament was the semifinal against the Czech Republic. Other than that, they uh, they kind of won that thing going away. So, yeah, I hope Canada has a, a similar fate when they get to Edmonton. They're going to, I think they're going to have every opportunity just looking at what they've had so far in the first two red and white games. And for you now, going forward in the, the Red Deer arena, are you going to be keeping an eye on things for the, the rest of this training camp? Well, I don't know. I, once, I, once I'm done tomorrow with that game, I don't think they really need me for much. So <laughs> probably not. Uh, but the, the games, I know they're they're televising those games against the university teams, so I'm sure I will watch those on TV like everybody else. But it's pretty tight. Like on Saturday and Sunday, if if you weren't um, Hockey Canada personnel or if you weren't on the in-house 
uh, video scoreboard crew, you weren't in the rink. So there w- and that was it. It was just Hockey Canada staff and the video scoreboard staff, and that was that was pretty much it. So uh, I would think once we get through tomorrow that uh, I'll just watch it on TV. But it still must be fun to be able to call at least some games for, for the first yeah. time in a while. It is. It is really fun. And it's just weird in that I've never called games before in an empty rink. Like, I'm pretty sure the players can hear me down on the ice, probably looking up, wondering what's going on with that guy upstairs losing his marbles all the time. So, I, yeah, it, that part's been pretty bizarre. But it is fun to be in the rink and to watch really, really good hockey. I, I hope that the WHL's plan of the return to play on January 8th goes through and that we have WHL games to call, even if we don't have people in the rink, because I really miss it and I'm really looking forward to it. So I hope that happens. Me too. Cam, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this and enjoy your uh, your last call coming up. All right. Thank you. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?